Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, it's Richard and Linda Ayer here again, not on the road. <laughs> well, I was thinking, Linda, the irony of the title of this podcast, Ayers on the Road. I mean, it was original um, at the time we started, nearly 10 years ago, because we were literally in a different city almost every week and we were podcasting or broadcasting from an airplane once I remember from uh, lots of different airports no and, I don't think from an airplane oh, at an airport several times yeah and it was like um, <laughs> and the reason is we were just traveling a lot with speaking and writing and so on and we were we were sometimes on as many as 50 different flights a year and giving a, as many as 100 speeches a year. Boy, boy, oh boy, have things changed. <laughs> haven't they? Haven't they? Although I have to say, I have been on the road a little bit this week because I am having the most fun. I'm taking your little grandchildren on Grammy dates. Um, they, You're on the real road, not I'm in the on air. The real You're on the real dirt road. We're in not some in, cases. We're, we haven't <laughs> flown anywhere for four months, probably the longest time in. In history. In history. Yeah. But we have been on the road, but doing things we want to do. It's so great. You we, played with them. We have a little family down there, with, and we're, we're actually on a little place up on a, a hill up above them. So at, we're at Bear Lake. Distanced. We're, we're at, at Bear, Bear Lake. Lake. And uh, we are distanced from them. And even then, you know, we have, I haven't sit in the back seat unless I'm in the truck which is giant so it doesn't matter <laughs> it's but the new normal it's the new normal and we're having so much fun with these kids at which we just wouldn't have time to do ordinarily so there are some advantages the reason our mind is a little bit on travel and on the lack of it now is that we're thinking about um, we're going to be talking about a recent book of ours called the entitlement trap and I was thinking about that this morning, Linda, and remembering that our this was a book published by Penguin Publishers, and their office is in that really iconic triangular building called the Flatiron Building, right in, in Manhattan. And um, it got me thinking about New York and about how, I mean, how different it is. You, you see the streets of New York now, and they're almost deserted, although they're trying to reopen. But so much of our history is in New York. I served my mission there. I lived on Fifth Avenue as a missionary, which was a little bit ironic. And um, <clears throat> we've had one or more of our kids living in Manhattan for about the last 15 years or so. Our youngest son just got out in time. He, he literally, they, he and his family were planning to move to Japan for his business and they got as far as Hawaii when the pandemic hit and they're stuck in Hawaii, the poor things. <laughs> oh, but the beauty so is they're out of New York, but all of our publishers over many years were in New York City. It's the publishing capital of the world, of course. We had McGraw-Hill for a while. We had Random House for a while. We had Simon & Schuster for quite a long time. Um, we even even did a book with... Um, with uh, Golden books, Golden books yeah. and with St. Martin's Press, all all in New York City. And the city's just been a big part of our lives. We did a we we were regular guests on the CBS morning show for a little while and most of the media is there. We just love the city and we, we have we look now at 
at the pictures of it, and it's disturbing. That that uh, you wonder if New York City will ever be the same again. Maybe it'll be better, well, though. Who knows? You no, know, we wondered that though. <laughs> we were there at nine eleven. We were there two weeks after that happened, which was really amazing. It was terrifying. We had a show on CBS this morning. Remember that? Yeah. We stayed at the plaza yeah. across the road and went over there and did that show, and it was. I mean, we went down to ground zero, and we thought this this city will never recover from this. This yeah. will never be the same. And look at it. It's just look at it now. amazing. Resilience. But anyway, to move into this, we wanted to talk about this book called The Entitlement Trap. It's still really dear to our hearts, and it's still something we speak on um, quite often. And... Um, Read, let, let us just read you something to get into this, and, and you'll be right with us as parents or grandparents on this. So, <clears throat> we used to call this problem spoiled kids or selfish little brats, but today there's a better term to describe what's happening to kids who think they deserve to have everything they want, everything their friends have, and all without any work or effort on their part. The word is entitlement and it's becoming a trap in our society that catches kids in its clutches and squeezes the motivation and incentive right out of them. The entitlement attitude that infests our youth today robs them of gratitude and strips them of the work ethic. If we as parents don't do something about it, we will send our kids out into the world ill-equipped to compete and to succeed and even to live responsibly. On the other hand, if we can recognize that chosen Earned ownership is the antidote to entitlement and the prerequisite of responsibility. That's what we're going to get into today. How ownership, this sense of ownership and earning and responsibility is, is the thing that can get kids out of this entitlement trap. And if we can find ways to help kids perceive real ownership of everything from their things to their money and from their grades to their choices, then we can give our kids the kind of pride of ownership that will motivate them to do their best, to make good decisions, and to take responsibility for everything they have. You know, I have to say our oldest daughter has taken this to heart. She's magnificent with a writer. She has a wonderful website called Power of Families, and she has really taken this to heart with her kids. They have earned everything, more, more so, I think, than our kids. They almost. They're putting themselves through yeah. college. It is really amazing. But they have two, they have twins, and then another little cousin who are their age, and let's see, they're 15, and this cousin is 14, and they decided that they wanted one wheels. I don't know how many of you know about one wheels, but man, it is absolutely amazing. Scares me to death. It is so <laughs> scary. They're just this one wheel. It's like a skateboard with one wheel under it one and, big but wheel it, but it's run on battery so it runs itself and their big brother had one and they just decided they wanted one so but they bad, earned but it they earned it you That's know what the point. they cost almost a thousand dollars and those kids went door to door with flyers saying i will do your yard i will do anything you want i, I am great babysitter i can make your dog happy i don't think the whatever of it, you do i don't think having their parent their parents pay for it i don't think the thought ever occurred to them i don't either they but they just got it last week that's why it's on my they mind finally got they it just came in the ups truck and they were over the moon they did it. they've been working on it for months but but, but sink your teeth into this concept of entitlement for a minute and how 
how big a deal it can actually be. Entitlement is a double-edged sword for a double-jawed or trap. a double-jawed trap. Picture that bear trap catching catching a kid. On one edge, it gives kids all that they don't need: indulgence, dullness, conceit, and laziness. And on the backswing, it takes from them everything they do need: motivation, independence, inventiveness, pride, responsibility, and a chance to really work for things and to build their own sense of fulfillment and self-esteem. Now this is a new problem. I, our, our generation didn't have an entitlement problem, um, and our children's generation really didn't. Those who are in their 40s now grew up doing a lot of work. Well, yeah, lot of, they, I think they did. A lot of times we'll open our speaking to, to parents these days by saying, how many of you had a job when you were growing up? How many of you did something outside your home during money? Almost some some audience every single hand goes up and we have fun with that. We say, "Well, what did you do?" And and oh, babysitting. Oh, worked in a in a store. I uh, worked in a shop. Um, mowed lawns. Uh, shoveled snow. And they'll, they'll just go on and on about all that. And there's kind of a joy in in that. I mean, they're like they like remembering those it. things yeah. that they earn money on. And then we really, we speaking of the word trap, we really trap them. We say, how many of your kids have that kind of jobs today? Not a <laughs> it's hand. It's like stunning. Oh, yeah, there's a, once, there was a hand or two Once in a there. while, yeah. a hand or two. Um, because we don't. I mean, it's a different society. Kids, it's harder for kids to find those kind of jobs. Plus, they're too busy in school. And, and plus, biggest thing of all, we entitle them as parents. Yeah. We give them everything. I'll bet you that kids have learned a lot about responsibility during this pandemic. I bet. I bet. <laughs> I bet changed. we're talking yeah. to parents that have had some good ideas with this because it gives us time to think about it, and it's a necessity. You have to have help when there's no other help around, and you have the luxury of of doing it together. It really is. That's one other little good point yeah. about this quoting, pandemic. Quoting from, the, we, we liked it. The way we did this book is we had a little enlarged um, phrases on many of the pages, much like magazine articles do. And I love going back through these. Uh, here's one that says, We give our children too much and demand too little of them. And thus we place our children in an environment and a mindset where a sense of entitlement is the inevitable result. That's what happens. Yeah. It's kind of sad in a way that kids don't have the opportunity to do what they um, what they could do just because of the culture. And it happens all the time. You know, we come from parents who have um, gone through the Depression. Yeah. And so um, it's totally that, different for the them. The total pendulum. Swing. Our parents never wasted a scrap of material or a bit of food. I remember my mom telling me, we got to scrape out this peanut butter jar. Yeah. Don't throw that away. There's still a tablespoon in there. So contrast that with some of these statements that we, we, we interviewed a lot of parents, and here were some of the things that some of them said. Our eight-year-old son was aghast when we suggested he might have to work to earn some money to replace a neighbor's window that he'd broken while throwing rocks. He said, you're my mom. That's the kind of thing you're supposed to take care of. <laughs> oh, Here's another one. I'm a, I'm a sixth grade teacher, and I called the home of a student who had been absent for three straight days to see what was wrong. The mother explained that her daughter had refused to go to school until she had some new name brand jeans and shoes. 
she, that she said all her friends had. I'll have the money Friday on payday and I'll buy her the stuff and she'll be back in class on Monday, the mother promised. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is real though. Uh, my nine-year-old came up to me the other day and said, I have to have a credit card or a cell phone or at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you get the idea. These are just statements that came in from ordinary parents. A few months back, my four-year-old was asked to pick up her things and straighten the bathroom she had just destroyed by giving her Barbie a bath. Her response was, isn't that what Maria is for? Maria is the kind woman who has helped clean and babysit while I work part-time from home the last couple of years. Oh, you get man. the idea. Let's yeah. just read maybe one it, more. Some of them are just unbelievable. Uh, well, they are believable because it happens every day. A few weeks ago, I was shopping with my five-year-old who saw something he really wanted. He got upset when I said no and angrily asked why I wouldn't buy it for him. My response was, because I don't want to spend the money on that. He frowned, growled at me and said, fine, then you just give me the money and I'll pay for it. <laughs> I'll tell you, no you know, when, when we were working on this book, we even did some surveying and entitlement was the single biggest concern and worry of today's young parents. So what do we do about it? Well, we're going to take a little break in a minute and when we come back, we're going to give you the the panacea cure-all perfect answer for entitlement, it's right? It's so easy to. <laughs> wow, just wait. You won't believe what it, we've got in store for it's you. It's hard, but we can do it. So we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back today talking about entitlement, one of the greatest diseases that our children have ever had. It's kind of a pandemic, actually. Well, here's the thing. In the name of love, we tend to give our kids indulgence rather than consequences, instant rather than delayed gratification, laziness rather than discipline, dependence rather than independence, and entitlement rather than responsibility. So what we want to suggest to you, and we're going to have to go kind of fast to cover it in just a short show, think of it in this sort of an, an analytical way. Um, when, when you're asked as a parent, what would you like to give your kids? And again, we've done this with a lot of audiences of parents. The most common answers that come up are self-esteem. Here's what I'd like to give my kids. Self-esteem, self-discipline, self-confidence, self-motivation. Okay, well, what's the problem with that? And parents will think about that for a minute and they'll say, well, I'd like to give those things to them, but actually they're things you can't give, aren't they? Maybe that's why they all start with self. Yeah. You have to develop it. And you have, it has to come from <clears throat> inside, not from outside, <clears throat> which is just so difficult. So we all, so the point is we all know that what we should be giving to our children is responsibility. And why don't we do it? Why don't we just give it? Well, oh, I can, that's easy for answers. me. It's easier to do myself. It's easier to do it myself. They don't want it. They won't take it. We don't want them to fail. Their friends don't have it. And actually, I would say... I'd rather do it myself because the yeah. kids do not yeah. make their beds the right, right. way. I mean, you know, right. there's always the, that. 
that. So we just we don't give this. And responsibility is a hard thing to give. It's a really hard thing to give. And we had a real breakthrough, kind of an epiphany, when we realized that the antidote for entitlement is it is responsibility, but it, but that's not that doesn't quite get it. That's not quite the opposite of the because you see. Uh, Entitlement is an attitude. It's a mindset that kids get. It's a trap they fall into. And you need to replace that mindset with an opposite mindset. And we decided the best name for that antidote was ownership. If kids feel like they've actually earned something and they own it, suddenly everything changes. They pick that shirt up and hang it up because they earned it. They bought it with their own money. They they begin to think in terms of a little bit of the right kind of pride. They, they take pride in things that they have earned. And what we need to do as parents is find systems in our homes which put kids in a position where they can earn things and buy things for themselves. So if you think of a child as young as six or seven years old, but really coming into it about the age of eight, when they're old enough to add and subtract and to think in terms of money and of ownership and so on. If that child is in an environment in your home, much like you were growing up where you had a a paper route or you babysat or whatever, but if you can create in your own home this little economy where they can learn to actually earn money, save money, budget money, and spend their own money, then you've started this domino thing of ownership. And may I add, give money. And give, and to be able to give money. They have the capability to give money because they earned it themselves. And uh, I think those four things are so important when we work with our kids and you think, oh, wait a minute now, what are we going to do? We're going to start paying our kids to do every little thing in the house? No. And for starters, we have to say we are never paying our kids to clean their own room. Right, exactly. But there are things, there are some things that you can pay your kids for and so that they feel like they've really earned it. We're going to describe this little family economy, but but one more thing to just think about as we go into this. When we simply give everything to our kids, we rob them of these opportunities to work and they end up with a kind of false, unearned ownership that has a negative impact on both their motivation and their pride. So so you get the problem, you get what we're trying to do and, and what we're trying to move toward is not only ownership of their own money and their own stuff, that's just the beginning. That's like the, that's like the prototype that teaches them what earning is is about and and what ownership is all about they earn their own money they buy their own clothes they buy their own toys they take better care of them because they perceive ownership but what we hope that leads to is a feeling of ownership that extends to far more things ownership of their values ownership of their decisions of their goals of their own bodies of their education of their relationships and Now think about those for a minute, now we'll jump back to the ownership of money, but think of ownership of values, how to help your kids develop an internal character that will last and protect them for a lifetime, that that is powerful ownership. Um, Ownership of decisions, just helping them learn how to make good decisions on their own, that you're not making all the decisions for them. And you'll abide by what they decide. Ownership of their own goals. How 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 important is that? How often we you know 
we try to set goals for the kids and they don't respond to them because they're our goals. They're not their goals. Um, relationship of their own bodies, uh, how they take care of themselves, their safety. Uh, so they so start worrying that. about what they yeah. eat and about yeah. their exercise, not you. Big one, ownership of education, where kids, they're not getting good grades to please you or to get a dollar for every A or whatever it is that you artificially give. Once they feel ownership of the education, their goals, their learning, their classes, their homework, so that you're a helper and a consultant. You're not the person who feels that you have to take the responsibility for that homework. And ownership of their relationships and their conflicts. And conflicts are big. We've talked about that a lot. You probably, if you've listened for a while, you know about our repenting bench. We just turn over the arguments to the kids. We no longer get involved in the mix at all. And it's so great to have them take responsibility for it. So, so and you've already covered the biggest objection when people first hear about, oh, I don't want to pay my, I shouldn't have to pay my kids to do stuff. They should do it anyway. Well, 99% <coughs> of that is true, but there's no reason you can't split off three or four little things every day that you would have to do if the kids didn't do it. And there's no reason, and it's completely logical and sensible to say, hey, we get a certain amount of money in this family, there's a certain amount of work that has to be done in this house, in the common areas of the house, not your own stuff, your own room, no one's going to ever pay you to do that. But how about you have this hallway, and you check it every day, and I don't ever touch it. Why don't you be porch, the one to be sure it's always the clean? The backyard, whatever, just give them the responsibility to do it. It really is fun because they, um, they, you, you know, you help have them help you decide what, what, what is going to happen, what things they get paid for, and the consequences. Make it very clear that I don't want you ever to say to me how much do I get for that. No, no, no. Only these certain things that are part of our family economy. And well, why are we doing it? Because we want you to earn that money. We don't want to give you an allowance. Why should you have an allowance? That's an entitlement term. You're not entitled to money. You're, you're entitled to earn money, and here's how you're going to do it. And once you've got that, you're in, you're in a whole different place. I have to say that a lot of us, because it turns things over to the kids that we don't want to do anymore. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> I get so sick of getting our kids up in the morning, and we decided what our biggest frustration was was having kids do their homework, having them do their practicing, having them uh, get their... Uh, clothes ready to go for the next day and not being able to find their shoes when they go out the door. Those were the biggest frustrations for us. We had a lot of little kids at home. So, so you work those into this system and then you don't run the system. The kids have to have, we think the world is a family bank, a great big chest somewhere. And, and when kids finish the three things they're supposed to do that day, they write a three on a slip of paper and they slip it in a slot in that family bank. They get it initialed by you. Yes, I did clean the hall. Yes, I did get out the door today on school without you prompting me or whatever. Whatever your things are that they're supposed to do. And don't have more than three or four. But they keep track of them. Yeah. They put them in the bank. Then Saturday, it's not allowance day. It's payday. And you open up that bank. And each of those kids takes out their little slips they put in there and they total up how many points they got during the week and how much they get is directly proportionate to how much they did. Now, 
they perceive that as their money. They earned it. It's not the same as if you handed it out to them with an allowance. They earned the money. The other side of the coin, of course, is now that you have money and you can earn more than you could have gotten as an allowance, you buy your own stuff. So when you want something, you save the money. The bank will pay interest. And when you have enough money, then you buy that thing and you will own that thing and you will take care of it. Well, this is an hour and a half lecture that we have done. Well, a workshop that we do with parents that uh, by the end, their eyes are sparkling like, yes, we're going to try this. And it's just not easy. <laughs> it's well, not as easy as it sounds. But I wish it we, is, we've only got three or four more minutes, but we could tell you so many stories, yeah. not only from our own family, but so many. We still get letters, you know, oh, my son and I, I finally got him on this bank system. He's eight years old. And. I took him to the store today, which I hate to do because he always wants everything, but now he's on this family economy, and he said, can I have this, can I have that? And I used to always say, no, 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 but I said, sure. Have you got enough money to buy it? Oh, you can have, kids can have a little checkbook or a little... A little ledger or something, and now they do it on the computer. Oh, I've got it, okay, I'll buy it. Okay, hand that to me, and the little kid looks at it and says, wait, wait, they went... Twenty dollars for this? That's way too much. I'm not buying it. And you start seeing that the kids are now starting to perceive value. They're starting to understand savings. They're starting. They'll ask you to help help me with a budget so I won't run out of money next week like I did last week. It's a marvelous thing. And they want to start giving. You know, when they see people struggling, like in a pandemic, like how can we send them some money? Let's let's just. How can I send them this money? It's my money now. That's such a good point, Linda. And think of the difference between saying, Dad, you should send some money to the starving children in Africa or whatever. The difference between that and saying, I'm going to send some of my money to help those children. I earned it. Um, how, this is still in print. It just has astonished us because this and the values book has still is still in print, and so yeah. But but we don't. Do we, but you know, if you don't happen to have access to this book, go go on valuesparenting.com. That's our website, and you can go once you're on values parenting. You can go on the drop down index and and find the entitlement trap and find the family economy. You can click on that and it will go through a lot of details on how to set this up in your home. But keep in mind, it's not just a money system. This is, this is all about two, two competing concepts, entitlement versus ownership. And if you can succeed in helping your kids to think more in terms of earning and owning, they will have automatically overcome entitlement. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, it doesn't just work at the drop of a dime. But, man, we have loved working through this. And our kids are now using it with their kids, but in their own way. Not just like we did. They've figured out some ways are better than our ways. But think about how you can do that with your kids. And and even grandparents can help with this somewhat. Yeah, I was going to really say. In charge, no, but. grandparents really can. They can offer... If you're a grandparent, stop giving your grandkids money. Instead, offer them a little job. Offer them to have you help with something that you'll pay them for. It can be such a powerful thing. And again, remember that the money is just the teaching method. What you're really doing is helping them to find ownership. It's our most popular 
speaking subject right now. We've spoken on it all over the world. Parents are the same everywhere. It doesn't, China, and it's not just Indonesia, rich parents who have. Yeah. It, it, it's you know sometimes poor families have the biggest problem with entitlement because their kids have observed welfare systems and that's what they think they're on. So find a way to give your children the gift of motivation and ownership of their own stuff and do it early do it while they're still young if your kids are a little older say hey you only got two years before you go to college we want to teach you how to handle money so we wish you the very best of luck with that and we'll see you again next time on Irish on the road bye bye